thinking people realize that solving such problems requires systematic observation and the gathering of many facts. All the factors bearing on the problem have to be investigated. Then, the facts have to be studied to find the best ways of solving the problem. This is the method of common sense thinking fully as much as it is the method of science. But the scientist uses this method for a deeper purpose, to gain an understanding of the world in which we live. We continue on our quest to better understand cybercrime theory again this episode, this time looking at cyber routine activities theory. This is Cybercrimology, a podcast about cybercrime, its research, and its researchers. This episode, we talk with Dr. Kyungshik Choi, the originator of cyber routine activities theory. Dr. Choi is the director of the cybercrime investigation and cyber security program at Boston University and a professor in the criminal justice department at Bridgewater State University. I wanted to talk to Dr. Choi about all of these things. First, I had to congratulate him on it being a decade since the publishing of his book, Risk Factors in Computer Crime Victimization, which contains today's theory. Thank you. <laughs> that's a that's a like I, I don't know part of like my dissertation. So I was kind of seeking you know clear answer uh, for like why people become a victim of computer crime, like such as hacking, virus intrusion, and so on and so forth. Uh, I examine kind of all existing crime victimization literature, and yeah, none of the empirical study that time, right, and has been applied to explain computer crime victimization. Uh, so I think, yeah, that book is pretty much like my theory. So I proposed kind of cyber routine activity theory in 2008. So taking kind of core concept from Hinderlang's uh, 1978 kind of lifestyle exposure theory and Cohen and Ferson 1979 kind of routine activity theory uh, and applying them to kind of computer crime victimization. Pretty much kind of my theory kind of argues digital capable guardianship that's kind of simply cyber security and online lifestyle that's a kind of human errors, uh, kind of two factors substantially influence on computer crime victimization. So that that combination was was something to um, kind of enhance routine activity theory to to give it more of an idea about how uh, or more of a context on cyber? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, before, again, so I, yeah, when I studied kind of early 2000, um, there's no kind of theory base in cybercrime, pretty much. So I have to come up with kind of theory uh, to propose, right? And uh, so uh, solid idea to understand better, like in victimization. So the cyberality kind of hypothesize individuals' computer-oriented lifestyle in cyberspace, contributes to individuals' potential computer crime victimization. Uh, in other words, kind of online users who kind of willing to visit unknown website or downloading kind of, you know, the unknown files uh, in order to gain kind of any free media file or free software program or kind of who kind of click any icons, right, and uh, links uh, without precautions, they are kind of likely to be victimized by cyber criminal. And the concept of interest uh, is kind of individuals' kind of daily patterns of routine activity, so including kind of vocational activities uh, in leisure activity in cyberspace. And uh, so those activities kind of increase uh, the potential for computer crime victimization. Also uh, important uh, factor, 
uh, which is kind of one of the three major tenets from routine activity theory, capable guardianship. The tenet of kind of interest is how computer security acting as a capable guardian in cyberspace kind of, you know, uh, kind of plays major role against computer crime victimization. So the theory kind of asserts uh, the presence of installed computer kind of securing computer uh, is a significant factor that can kind of prevent or minimize the occurrence of computer crime. So it, my CyberLAT kind of predicted uh, and confirmed the variation of these kind of two main factors, risky online lifestyle, cybersecurity, and uh, they determine the level of individuals' kind of computer crime victimization, kind of, you know, potential through uh, application of uh, structural equation modeling. So that's how I designed. So the, the kind of idea is to take the idea that if you walk down dark streets in a dangerous area of town where there are no policemen regularly, then there's a, a greater chance that you might become a victim of crime. So online, if you're, like you said, clicking on links or downloading illegal software, you might be slightly more at risk of crime. The one thing that might be slightly different between those two is how time works and how space works, because they're a little bit different online. Does that have much of an impact or, or, or it turns out not to? No, that there's no temporal order kind of sequence. Um, you know, anti-spatial, that's a cyberspace. And uh, so, as you know, uh, motivated offender, right, from the traditional uh, coin and presence routine activity theory, even they kind of think the capable, I mean, the motivated offender is kind of given situation. Yeah, cyber, that's even much more, right? And uh, so uh, pretty much kind of criminals kind of waiting uh, in cyberspace. So, yeah, I think, you know, again, time sequence uh, doesn't matter. So it's more like importantly, right? And uh, so we have to kind of inspect ourselves regarding like where you are, where your behaviors are, like online behaviors and what you are doing to kind of protect yourself. Do you really have a kind of protection using kind of cybersecurity in cyberspace? That was 2008. Yeah, that's a 2008. Yes. The, the internet has changed quite a bit since then. I think I remember late 2007, the iPhone just came into being. No one really had an, had one yet. Mm -hmm. Since then, the last 10 years, these little pocket friends that we have, almost everyone's got them. We're online almost constantly. What we do online has really changed as well with Facebook and things like that. Absolutely. Has that, has that had much of an impact on your theory or, or the application of it? So it's kind of funny uh, as time goes by, right? And I believe in my theory much more. <laughs> so I, uh, I I believe like my theory is general uh, theory of cyber crime. So we can apply kind of, uh, you know, kind of different types of cyber crime uh, because the original theory kind of, you know, designed to test computer crime, right? Hacking and that area. Then uh, like, um, I think 2017, uh, I did kind of interpersonal cybercrime research. So this time I attempted to test kind of, you know, victim offender overlap uh, based on cyber sexual harassment and cyber impersonation uh, using 272 uh, representative state college students as a sample. So like, I, it's kind of funny, um, traditional criminologists, you kind of fixed and uh, that means like, okay, now you have a victimization theory. You have to stick with the kind of victims all of the time. And uh, But cyber, I believe that's totally different. And so we should think like, you know, outside of the box in cyber criminology. 
So that's why I try to kind of measure kind of victim offender kind of, you know, both sides, right? And uh, uh, so tweaking kind of my model. Um, so the finding uh, kind of indicate college students who engage in risky online leisure activities and poorly kind of manage cybersecurity, they are likely to experience interpersonal violence in cyberspace. Uh, students who engage in risky social networking side uh, activities are likely to commit cyber interpersonal violence. So, so they are likely to become offended as well. So I thought that's kind of interesting. Uh, then, so I changed kind of venue and the location. So at this time, uh, like I think that's a very recent uh, kind of research I've conducted using a uh, sample of 7,109 Korean teenagers uh, between age of 13, uh, 17. So I think it was a very similar finding. And the Korean teenagers who engage in risky online leisure and risky social networking activity, again, such as kind of providing personal information to uh, SNS kind of strangers and accepting any strangers as a friend, and those type of activity uh, were at high risk of being victimized traditional bullying and cyberbullying. So you see kind of I'm adding kind of different components here. So I, I even kind of added kind of you know, traditional bullying there and as a measurement and cyberbullying, of course, right there. Uh, also, the measurement kind of I tweaked it because before I didn't have a social networking, risky social networking activity measures, but I kind of uh, slide in and so kind of expanded kind of online lifestyle uh, measure. Um, but in that study, uh, it was very interesting. Uh, cybersecurity update and parental monitoring survey item. Uh, so they were actually measured as a cybersecurity management, uh, but they were not significant kind of attributes. It could be uh, because um, that was a kind of pretty much secondary data. I couldn't really kind of create uh, items there. So whatever it's uh, available, I kind of um, kind of quantified and uh, you know create a kind of factors there. So yeah, there there was very limited items based on uh, cybersecurity update and uh, parental monitoring. Maybe that could be the reason. But in my study, it was not significant. Uh, so you know, overall, you know, the victims can tend to ne neglect their kind of risk of victimization uh, by failing to inspect themselves, right? And the exact same thing, um, like then they are yeah, likely to become victims of either computer crime, cyber crime. And uh, so my theory clearly indicate kind of combination of human error, uh, cybersecurity explains kind of cause of, uh, you know, cyber crime victimization. The measurement of those, those elements that you're talking about, uh, I think that's an interesting point. M measuring the, the behaviors online and, and, and the activities that people are undertaking online how how precisely do you think that should be measured? Because those activities have changed, and they, they, I assume they're just going to continue to change. So right now it might be TikTok. Mm -hmm. um, once it was, um, I'm not on Facebook. I don't know if people are still using that, or <laughs> before that, MySpace or, or whatever. And I'm sure there's something else right around the corner that I that either doesn't exist or I just haven't heard about. Yeah. How how closely should we understand exactly what those activities are and and how they're being used i i guess might also be a component yeah i agree with you and uh, so like all technology you know keep changing right and uh, so uh even apps i think apps could be kind of great examples you know we see kind of all different apps every day um then functionality all different even cyber security measure 
right? And uh, so the management, like how you control like privacy and all of them, and they are all different. Uh, so yeah, definitely, definitely kind of, uh, yeah, we need to kind of pretty much kind of, you know, uh, keep updating ourselves as a researcher, right? And how we kind of progress. Uh, so reflecting kind of technological progress. So I think that's a kind of big burden uh, as a cyber criminologist, but I think that's very important. And that's why we have to really see like all vibe, I would say kind of vibe cyber activity, like, you know, uh, especially social networking. Um, so by the way, uh, if you're still using Facebook and you are kind of old, <laughs> so, so TikTok, right? It becomes kind of a huge issue too. And um, it's a more, much more kind of video kind of uh, animated uh, kind of features they have. So I haven't really touched on kind of TikTok measures. Um, also, there's kind of security concern. Uh, people kind of talking now. Um, yeah, there will be kind of another kind of, you know, uh, apps perhaps like cyber criminology should kind of get into now. Um, yeah, that's a kind of yeah, good tip. I, I'm, I'm expecting that the answer to this be more or less that it's, it's not possible or, or not, uh, not, not able to be done in a reliable way, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. Are there some factors or something of riskiness for, for online activity that we, could, that we could put together so that we're able to match studies together over time? Is, is that something that's even like conceptually viable? And I think so, because at least like my cyber IT uh, really kind of, you know, indicates the specific measures, right? So unless like, of course, we are going to move to totally different uh, technology, but still up to, up to this point and uh, most of them kind of clicking, right? And uh, so so if you see the kind of computer criminals kind of pattern to attack potential victims, so it's kind of so clear. And what's the kind of, you know, the biggest computer crime problem now? That's a BEC, uh, business email compromise. So I think that's the kind of frequency-wise, that's the highest number, right? So why people become victims of those kind of computer crime? Yeah, clicking, right? And so you click the link, and you don't you don't really expect uh, all kind of you know uh, the contents. So you don't maybe you don't really check like who really sent. And also, of course, BC means it looks like exact authentic kind of email. It's uh, so lots of deception there. Uh, so extra cautious, right? And uh, that's a very very essential. And also, I know cybersecurity, <clears throat> of course, we used to have only kind of firewall, right? And uh, so anti-spyware and the anti-virus, still they are the kind of major, uh, they are very major. However, now if you're using kind of Windows 10, it comes with it, right? And uh, so you have a kind of very basic cybersecurity, but do you need extra cybersecurity? Uh, that's a kind of you know, interesting measure uh, to do it. And everything kind of, to me, it's a feasible and we, because we already delineate kind of, you know, big uh, factors uh, to measure, maybe functionality can be different. So, you know, I, I like, uh, you know, Dr. Grabowski's uh, kind of mentioning about uh, cyber criminal motivation, right? So pretty much, yeah, he said, uh, yeah, cyber crime is kind of exact same as kind of old wine with a different shape of bottle. So to me, yeah, we are studying kind of different shape of bottle. So motivation kind of same thing. So then like, you know, how they tweak, right, uh, to attack potential victims. I think those things, I think 
we have a kind of big picture, and yeah, we can follow. As long as we catch up the technology as a cyber criminologist, I think uh, everything is doable. I think the, the, the old wine and new bottles is an interesting thing to talk about in the context of the internet, because the internet now, it, it's becoming quite complicated in our, our relationship with it. Because we we kind of have started to exist online and offline at the same time. Like we have uh, Internet of Things devices in our house. There's augmented reality. We we have wearables. We're talking to someone at the same time as we're texting somebody else, or we're sending an email attachment to back up a, a conversation point that we might have said to a to a table. I mean, I know it's uh, the the motivations and everything is still the same, but we've kind of got this all together at the same time. We could be physically talking to someone who's ripping us off digitally at exactly the same time. Right. So how does this all start to combine? Like, uh, I mean, you, you mentioned business email compromise. Having just spoken to someone who then sends you an email asking you to change a digit in an account number, I mean, that can get quite complicated in terms of being online, offline. It's a complex space. Like, that, that contextual element that you're talking about, those activities, those behaviors, should we keep just looking at online or, or do we need to start looking at what we, people were doing offline at the time of, uh, of being victimized or, or someone who's victimized quite often what they do offline as well? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I don't think we can really kind of separate from like technology and our physical life anymore. So I kind of argue all the time. So we are in the era of cyber criminality for facing the fourth industrial revolution. Uh, yeah, we are in the stage of kind of force industrial revolution using kind of cyber physical system. That's exactly what we are talking here, right? So IoT, kind of cloud and AI would be kind of great examples. Yeah, this kind of uh, is the age of global connection, which can provide kind of power to transform entire system of production, management, and governance through the cyber physical system. So um, yeah, think about IoT, right? And uh, so it's a uh, those devices kind of uh, projected to amount of uh, 70, over 75 billion uh, worldwide by 2025, according to uh, statistics and uh, figure uh, I found. And yeah, consider kind of global population is a little bit kind of over 7 billion, right? So meaning average person will use at least, yeah, more than kind of 10 IoT devices. So we, we've been talking already kind of mobile phone and, uh, you know, iPad. And so even uh, we have Alexa and the like, you know, the doors, yeah, smart doors and everything kind of smart. Yeah, technology has kind of become our human organism, as I mentioned. So I think uh, it becomes kind of, you know, may develop kind of new physical lifestyle. So see kind of our traditional lifestyle now has been changed a lot already, right? And so that also changed maybe offline behavior. So yeah, that would be very interesting, right? And uh, so from uh, cyber criminals' perspective, yeah, this environment really creates kind of more than sufficient criminal opportunity in cyberspace. Um, then as a cyber criminologist, of course, and uh, we have to really see those transition and changes. I think, yeah, this is very uh, typical task as a scholar, maybe as a kind of practitioner even, um, because it all ties into criminal opportunity. So, yeah, I think we have to keep kind of monitoring, like, um, what we're doing. And uh, as a scholar, yeah, we have to really kind of, you know, empirical test, kind of examine uh, how kind of, you know, people change through the technology. That's a, that's a lot of stuff to, to keep an eye on. The 
all of the changes for the force industrial revolution, all of these newer devices, new services even, all of this stuff going on. Not easy. How does criminology adapt? How do we pull in more disciplines? Um, What's what's required to, to understand not only how crime is changing, but how cyberspace is changing and how crime in it is altering? Well, what's what's the way forward for, for cyber criminology with this sort of hyper-dynamic environment? I think that's a yeah, great question. Um, I think, yeah, cyber criminology is the interdisciplinary study, right? And of causes of cyber crime, kind of which combines kind of knowledge from criminology, psychology, sociology, computer science, you name it, every possible discipline to deliver in-depth understanding of nature of cybercrime, uh, I would say within criminal justice field so that we have criminology area. So cybercriminology specifically can explore and evaluate the causes and victimization, legal issues, even ethics, yeah, control prevention strategy, right? And uh, even kind of societal cost uh, regarding the cybercrime problem. So I don't want to kind of name specific, you know, discipline, but I mean, each discipline, uh, it's a so important, right? And thus, because, yeah, okay, let's say, what if we understand causation uh, through criminology? And uh, then solution, maybe it's coming from like computer science or cybersecurity or like, you know, computer engineering, even like psychology or something. So that's why, um I would say yeah, it's impossible to study all of them. Um, I think that's that's the my approach, and uh, you know I'm not that genius. I'm kind of you know very uh, kind of common uh, uh, scholar, I think. Uh, but I really work with experts in the area, so I try to understand what they're doing. So I think that's uh, you know my best efforts, and I don't think I can be kind of number one in kind of different area. However. What if I can bring idea and uh, kind of we as we kind of work together as collective work, right? That's the kind of essential uh, element uh, within cyber criminology. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I mean, I like to think of cyberspace as sort of our new new world. So when the English were, were out searching for new countries and doing terrible things when they got there, of course, but the people they took with them when they were first trying to discover uh, Australia or, or, or the Spanish with Latin America, first time they took cartographers. And then they took uh, biologists. But eventually they had to take everyone because it was a new world. They had to learn about absolutely everything that was there. Cyberspace is, is, is the same thing, except everything's exactly. dynamic and everything's unknown. We, we, we don't know up from down, really. So it's quite an exciting time to be researching anything to do with the internet, which is why it's also a great time to have a, a new True. journal on uh, cybersecurity intelligence and cybercrime. This is this is something that you've been working on on recently, starting yes. up a, a, a new journal. Tell tell me that story. How did that how did that come about? Why how did it go from I'm happy with the journals that there are to I'm going to start an, a new one? Yeah, over the past ten years, I kind of dedicated myself to kind of you know educating students, law enforcement officers, uh, kind of you know the practitioners uh, in cybercrime investigation and cybersecurity. Um, yeah, as I kind of often emphasize, kind of it is essential to connect people, right, from various interdisciplinary fields in global initiative to address like these ongoing issues in cybercrime. Um, yeah, so after kind of serious contemplation on like how I can accomplish this important task as an educator uh, and 
as a kind of cyber criminologist, yeah, the answer was quite simple, and that's a research. So yeah, I strongly believe researching kind of this area, cybercrime, cybersecurity, um, yeah, has the power to connect academics and both private and kind of public industry, kind of making it easier to share the latest knowledge uh, with kind of wider audiences. So yeah, in order to kind of promote uh, such kind of uh, kind of you know kind of new knowledge, right? Research and uh, so our CIC is the I have center, center for CIC uh, team kind of launched a new peer review journal, kind of called yeah IJCIC, that's an international journal of cybersecurity intelligence and cybercrime. So yeah, this journal kind of seeks to explore uh, the origin, patterns, causes, motivation, and trends of cybersecurity and cybercrime. So, um, of course, this is open to everybody, right? And the cyber criminologists, criminologists, social scientists, computer scientists, uh, so even kind of member of police agency uh, and policymakers, among others. So, yeah, so it was published kind of first kind of uh, the inauguration issue, uh, yeah, published in last year, August. Uh, yeah, we also kind of plan uh, to publish issues of the journal in kind of different languages. So because it's kind of everything is global. So I said kind of international journal. So it has to be truly international. So you will see a Spanish version uh, next year. I think that's the kind of uh, first try we're going to do. Uh, something kind of different. So you, you're really putting your, your money, and, and time is money, you're really putting your, your money where, where your mouth is on, on making it interdisciplinary, uh, international. That's the point. To I mean... I spent years going. I, I spent years going to conferences where the end of every conference was that we need more international collaboration and cooperation. That was the end result of every conference for for quite quite a while. It's it's great to see you going. Well, this is how we're going to do it. This is a start. At least this is what I can do. Absolutely, it's a kind of connecting dot, right? And uh, so, cybercrime that's a transnational crime, and yeah, everybody knows the answer. So I, we got to work together, right? In private sector, academics, and uh, like you know. Um, yeah, government. Yeah, we know uh, we have to do it, but how we can do it. And uh, so I think this is kind of one of my own solution uh, to get approach to, uh, you know, kind of something kind of vibe solution for working everybody together. Another another bringing together of people and, and another point for congratulations would be the, the recent creation of the cybercrime division at the American Society for Criminology Conference. Thank you. Um, well done! Well done! Congratulations! Um, I wasn't able to be there. How how did it go? Your 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 first meeting? Uh, I think that was awesome. And uh, again, yeah, this one took me kind of another five years uh, to get actually approved. Uh, uh, you know, the SE kind of such a kind of big uh, criminology uh, conference venue. So they approved the creation of division of cyber crime on November 12, uh, twenty nineteen. Um, so I've been working five years, but I mean, I needed kind of you know, more people. So I work with uh, Dr. Thomas Holt uh, at Michigan State University and uh, Dr. Adam Bosler at uh, Georgia Southern University uh, to establish kind of division by obtaining uh, 99 signed kind of petition from active and non-student members of the ASC. Uh, and like, uh, yes, yeah, so we kind of wrote division constitution and bylaw together. So it was quite kind of... Uh, experience and uh, uh but we made it so on 
November 15th, we officially kind of kicked off uh, the Cybercrime Division at ASC in collaboration with kind of diverse group of stakeholders across kind of academia, government, and industry, and even law enforcement, right? And uh, so to reinforce conducting research pertaining to cybercrime cybersecurity. Uh, we outline kind of cybercrime divisions' priorities, and including kind of goal, mission, uh, the division's constitution and activities. Uh, yeah, the room was kind of full uh, to capacity uh, with kind of standing room only. Uh, yeah, we really envision uh, this cybercrime division will offer a very unique platform for studying kind of vibrant uh, exchange of best practices, experiences, and technology across kind of you know very, uh, various kind of government agency, again, academic institution, and international organization. Um, yeah, this division will create kind of premier kind of opportunity for uh, global cybercrime scholars, uh, cybercrime investigators, uh, and cybersecurity practitioners to have a kind of insightful exchange of kind of conversations uh, and to uh, collaborate to find kind of innovative uh, solution to address uh, the various challenges to cyber safety and cybercrime issues. I'm not sure when you get time to time to sleep. <laughs> it seems like you've been a bit. It seems like you've been quite busy. So, so this this last this last question might. Um, I hope it doesn't strike a nerve. But if if you if you had more time, if you had uh, more resources, more hours in each day, what would you like to spend your time researching? Is there something that you you'd like to understand a little bit more clearly? Of course, there are so many project potential projects I want to jump uh, onto now. Um, <laughs> but one of the kind of main project uh, I'm really thinking it's a kind of quite different than a traditional criminology uh, approach. So I, I, I've been kind of recently working uh, on national evaluation of internet crime against children uh, task force. We have ICAC task force in the U.S. Uh, that training kind of funded by uh, Office of Juvenile Justice and Delinquency Prevention uh, and managed by yeah, National Institute of Justice. Uh, yet this evaluation kind of will inform uh, the improvement of training delivery to support kind of law enforcement agencies uh, in their efforts to develop effective kind of responses to sexual predators uh, and uh, hopefully kind of to prosecute kind of online child exploitation cases. So I think it's kind of it's a little bit over kind of one year I'm doing kind of this uh, kind of research. Uh, then like I see problem uh, among other law enforcement agencies. I'm, I'm not talking about U.S., so I'm talking about, you know, other countries, kind of, you know, uh, underdeveloped country. Uh, there are so many, so many kind of issues uh, like in terms of kind of ICAC, right, Internet Crime Against Children issues, uh, but they don't have a resource. So, yeah, so one of kind of my dream project uh, would be uh, developing uh, kind of really kind of efficient tool. And so we are talking about now kind of blockchain and AI technology kind of to combat internet crime against children uh, for facilitating kind of all other kind of lesion of kind of law enforcement agencies. So yeah, I, I consider internet crime against children uh, as the most violent cyber crime. Uh, that kind of must be extradicated in the near future. And uh, I hope we can. I know it's crime is on. Ongoing, but I mean, this is the worst crime uh, we can experience, we can see. So theoretically, kind of, you know, uh, the secure communication uh, and file sharing kind of among 
global law enforcement agency uh, can be derived from blockchain technology. So now everybody talking about blockchain, everybody knows Bitcoin and all of that. And yeah, technology available here. And also AI, right? And the artificial intelligence is kind of also assisting already kind of cybercrime investigation tasks using kind of machine learning uh, to narrow kind of mesh amount, amounts of kind of digital evidence, uh, you know, all kind of pictures, messages, and all of that. So, and AI can assist kind of crime investigator to place to kind of start for connecting all potential dots from finding evidence to conducting interview and all kind of proceedings. So I think uh, I'm trying to find kind of a dot between kind of two technology, uh, come up with something kind of very uh, specialized tool. Um, so, you know, I hope to see kind of global law enforcement agency can effectively communicate, right? And uh, very secure kind of communication they establish and was at the same time can combat like, you know, uh, this crime as a kind of one united kind of global law enforcement community. So that's, uh, I know it's a kind of dream work, right? And so I think that's, I want to uh, work. And uh, also I already kind of start um, having kind of conversation with uh, experts. Uh, so hopefully, feasibly we can come up with kind of, you know, technology uh, to combat uh, eye kick issues. Very important work. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a really interesting uh, really interesting chat. Thank you, Dr. Choi. Thank you so much for having me. A sincere thank you to Dr. Choi for his time and his work to promote the study of cybercrime. This has been Cybercrimeology, a podcast about cybercrime, its research, and its researchers. It's produced by me. It's made possible by the kind guests sharing their time and their research. If you'd like to know more about the topics or papers mentioned in this show, please check out the show notes at cybercrimology.com. If you have a question or comment, you can reach me at cybercrimology on Twitter or by old-fashioned email at cybercrimology at gmail.com.